Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which three nerds watch all of Star Trek in chronological order, one of them enduring it all for the very first time. My name is PJ Montgomery and I am joined by the hardest working man in Welsh amateur podcasting under certain niche criteria, Matt Troy. Hello. And our resident Trek first timer, Elliot Red. Hi everybody. Since we recorded our last episode, a couple of things have happened. One, Elliot turned 30. He's a big boy now. Yeah. Happy birthday for yesterday as we're recording for like weeks ago as this episode comes out. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, Elliot's old now like everyone else on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. A step closer to my official Star Trek nerd fandom badge. <laughs> and the other thing is that Star Trek surprised us by releasing new Star Trek. Very short treks. Now luckily, they've released the first two and I've watched them and they are very silly, and I quite like them. Luckily, they're not canon, so if and when we do cover them, it would just be as uh, as Patreon, so we don't have to worry about our timeline. That's fine. But it does mark the first time anyone from Enterprise has come back to Star Trek, because Connor Trinier's in it. Is he, I, I assume it's Trip. Like... Uh, his episode hasn't been released yet, but I assume the same. Yeah. But that's not what we're looking at today. We're looking at a normal-length short trek, not a very short trek. Today we are looking at The Brightest Star, which was written by Bo Yon Kim and Erica Lipold, and directed by Douglas Arnioski, and was first released on the 6th of December 2018, in between seasons one and two of Star Trek Discovery. And we open with an alien dude named Saru in some water, gathering seaweed, as he monologues, saying, I like to look at the stars and see hope, but there's all despair on my planet and shit. Elliot, did you... I assume you recognised Saru? No. The main guy? No. It was Doug Jones. Why would I ever recognise Doug Jones? He never shows his fucking face! I know, but his <laughs> voice is very recognisable. Not really. The most, the most thing I know his voice as is Abe Sapien from Hellboy. That's the only thing I really know his voice from. And to be fair, they dubbed him in the first one, didn't they? Oh yeah. yeah he's kind yeah. of doing his David Hyde Pierce impression because that's who he was replacing in the first one. Uh. Yeah. Well, that is Doug Jones. Him of many things. <laughs> yeah. Well, him of that body man that you've definitely seen as every creature in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yes, I love Doug Jones, but I would never have recognised him. Really? The the big weird nose and the slimy things that didn't... That's his normal face, Elliot. There was no what makeup in this episode. Oh, that's actual Doug Jones. That's not Doug Jones in makeup. I see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's how he looks. I see. I see. <laughs> they, they based a whole race on him in Star Trek. 
Yeah, but this is Saru, and he's all sad, and he tells us, oh, so we've got like this this big thing, like this big obelisk thing in our village, and my dad, who's some kind of priest, oversees it as we sacrifice a bunch of people to it on the regular. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I did like the um, design of this. The sound design of this thing was sick. It, it was good, like, wasn't it? Yeah. A Lovecraftian horror thing Yeah, in this obelisk. It was better than the shit sound design of Enterprise. <laughs> when my people look up at the stars, they see only death. And they welcome it. They do not question it. Sister. when they are called when it is time for the harvest they march willingly toward it it made me think of like a big whale at first and then another weird noise comes in behind the whale and yeah mm. i didn't have a fucking clue what was going on no i but... didn't think you would <laughs> no <laughs> sure why not it's all right <laughs> but he talks about the Ba'ul, who's another species on the planet, and how they sacrifice people to them. And then he's like, hey, Dad, why does this happen? And his dad's like, it just fucking does. Eat your soup. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and eat your soup, you little prick. <laughs> and I thought Saru's dad's nose looked a bit different to the rest of the Kelpians, but maybe that's just I me. did as well. Why yeah, does he have too. a pure... He had a normal human nose. Maybe he just had a really big nose that they couldn't, like, squish down <laughs> with prosthetic. Like, the has a massive nose. Do you know um, what this reminded me of? No. This It, it reminded me of um, One day, son, all this will be yours. His dad just wants him to be a normal boy, but he's like, he wants to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So, Saru's dad comes home with a piece of technology, and he's like, hey, this came off a bull ship. I'm going to put it over here. Don't mess with it. Throw it away. And Saru's like, I will throw it away after I've done my work. By the way, if me and my sister got taken to the sacrifice thing, would that be cool? And his dad's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, this is my life. This is my life. (laughs) You know, we sacrifice people. For the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. <laughs> and then there's something about the watchful eye ruling the skies, and Saru says, but what's in the sky? And he's like, oh, if, if we wanted to go to the sky, we'd have wings. And Saru's like, does the watchful eye have wings? And his dad's like, no, listen to me, you little prick. <laughs> just why? They just, they just question something, for fuck's sake. Like... Jesus. But the, the Ba'ul have technology and the Kelpians don't, is the crux of this. But then, right, at night, Saru just starts knowing how to use it and messing yeah. around with it. It's that Xbox that they left behind, wasn't it, that he was playing with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it was basically like when people, like, steal things off people's porches, and it, like, it, but it's a really complicated, like, thing, and it starts spraying him with fart gas, and it has, like, a really loud alarm. It's like, <laughs> that would have been a great plot actually or it's just like somebody else's account and he can't sign in 
<laughs> he can like still use like very basic packages, so he's got like access to paint. Yeah. He's like drawing cards <laughs> and paint. That's what he sends out into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Starfleet's like hmm. <laughs> Starfleet say, We found an advanced civilization. The cock and balls is always the first sign. <laughs> <laughs> Since you have large, powerful thrusting warships. <laughs> Yeah, so Saru's been like poking it with a bone screwdriver or something that he's got, and then he manages to send a message, and then he gets a message back that says, "Hello." I like his bone screwdriver. I hope he has like a VHS, like a like a wooden yeah. VHS with vines that he sometimes has to open up because the vines get tangled inside, and he's like, <laughs> "Yeah," but he's 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 basically just waiting there to be sacrificed to the baal. So he says to his sister, hey, let's go for a walk. And his sister says, all right. And then they go for a bit of a walk. Night falls. And he says to his sister, you go home now. Yeah, he basically sets her up. He sets her up for his like murder charge. Yeah. <laughs> I you going for a walk with Saru last night. And uh, now he knows that Saru is nowhere to be seen. Where's your <laughs> knife? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then she leaves and he's like goodbye i love you and she's like that's weird <laughs> yeah we've never been close before yeah and then he goes a bit far away but where you can still see the village and a federation shuttle lands none of the other kelpians see it from their village even though it's very bright and noisy lots of lights like yes <laughs> i'm sure there must be a rule if you're landing in like an uncivilized civilization you just like switch the lights off at least yeah yeah, but no, they haven't They haven't done that now. So Prime Directive can get fucked. And the shuttle lands, and Michelle Yeoh gets out of it. Or Lieutenant Philippa Giorgio. Yes, Lieutenant. 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 <laughs> That's like, important. You know, I don't care, right? would say Lieutenant. I'm saying these as if it's like, ah, because she wouldn't normally be a lieutenant. I don't care. He's rumbled us. I don't know who this person is. I mean, I none of this is for your benefit. None of this is for your benefit. And why am I here? <laughs> you not be here. You've been, you were, you have been tithed to, to this podcast until your dying day, and you know why. <laughs> put it on air. It's the dark bargain. Yeah. Oh. But you know who Michelle Yeoh is, surely. Yeah, I know who Michelle Yeoh is. I still really, really, really want to see ever everything all at once. That is a great film. I haven't I seen it yet film. either. Yeah, oh, maybe she's brilliant that. in it. She's brilliant in everything. I love Michelle Yeoh. Mm. Mm. She is. She is brilliant, without a doubt. Is she in Discovery? Yeah. Yes. Both oh, of these cool. characters that's are cool. in Discovery. Okay. So she talks into her communicator, which translates English to Kelpian. Kelpian, which was created by Mark Ockrent, who created Klingon and Vulcan languages, and apparently yeah. this was the first language he'd done for Star Trek for a while. Yeah. Well. And basically says, hey, I can take you with me, but I can't take anyone else with me because your species is pre-warp and the Federation's already angry about all this shit. The Baal, <laughs> they are warp. So that's why we're sort of here making contact with them. But you are a backwards hick. And yet you've managed to send me this cock and balls so you can come with us. <laughs> it's a cock and ball story. <laughs> and Saru says, yeah, cool. I'll come with you and leave my entire life behind. And then they get on the shuttle. And there is the Star Trek fanfare plays in the background, and I think that's the first time we've had it.
in no. anything we've seen. It wasn't used at all in Enterprise. So, no. yeah, there we go. One of the one of the many choices that Enterprise made. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And that's the end. So, Elliot, <laughs> utterly yeah. baffled. I just didn't care. You're the baffled king composing Hallelujah, aren't you? <laughs> I didn't. I, absolutely nothing that I disliked about it. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't care. I didn't have a clue what was going on and had zero investment in anything. No, I, th- I think that's fair. I think if you'd seen some discovery with Saru and Giorgio in it, then I think this has a little bit more weight. But if you haven't, it's like, eh. Yeah, I get it. It's cool. A sto- pretty story that's, kind of, you know, nicely told and beautiful shots and nice sound design and costumes. It's all good. I just don't have a clue what the fuck is going on and therefore I don't have any investment. I have 100% been to like short film festivals and I've literally seen films like this. Um, and when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this actually does feel like a legitimate like science fiction short. Like you, I don't think you really need to kind of know, like if Star Trek didn't exist, I feel this would still kind of stand up because it's kind of like a reverse alien abduction story. It's, you know, the person who turns up is obviously a human and the reveal is, oh my God, the humans are the aliens in this. Ah. I, but, I yeah. agree. I think that from my perspective, when I don't have anything going off of anything else for this, it's too short for me to be able to get invested and and care about the story like that. If you've got previous investment from another series, then I totally understand and that totally works. But in order for you to just do what you just described, Matt, and do a story by itself that tells that story, it needs to be longer and I have to have more waste in the character. I, I I disagree with that personally in my in my own opinion. Like I said, I have been to many like animation short film, like science fiction short film kind of events in my life. And like that is what all of like literally all of them are like. Like it's a bit of a, something weird. There's the little conflict in there of the society, and then there's like some kind of reveal at the end because it's a short film and you have to kind of keep it. But yeah, I know I I appreciate your point because it it, it does actually obviously sit in the the wider scope of Star Trek, so you're just like whatever. But yeah, also I do, I do honestly feel like it does stand up as a really good kind of short film on its own. And if that little shuttle that landed at the end didn't have Star Trek livery like pasted all over it, and Michelle Yeoh didn't have a Star Trek style communicator, like I've absolutely seen that film in in like short film festivals. Absolutely, that's fair enough. I wouldn't want to watch something that short, unconnected to anything else that. You bastard! Why? <laughs> it's just not. It's not enough time for me to get invested with any character or anything. Like so, Elliot. What we're saying is, you didn't particularly like it, but you didn't particularly dislike it. It was I didn't, just no. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't dislike it at all. Uh, there was nothing I disliked about it. I just simply have no reason to be invested in it whatsoever. I have something I disliked about it. There was too much shaky cam. Like there's a bit where Saru's just sitting by the sea. And he's just sitting still, and the camera's all, whoa, I'm in an earthquake! And I was like, that's unnecessary. <laughs> just put it on a tripod and stand it's it. Like, there's a crab with a camera and a <laughs> chasing after it, trying to get the crab. <laughs> I was like, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah it, sort of contrary to, to sort of Elliot's opinion today, I, I honestly thought it was a, a nicely self-contained short film that just happened to, to like have like, the Star Trek lunchbox was slapped over the top of it. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, but, yeah, I liked it. And um, again, I mean, like I've, for like a lot of my sort of creative career, I've made short films, written short stories. So I don't know, maybe I'm just more attuned 
to that world. And I totally appreciate it if you're not. But yeah, I, I did. I did. I thought it was really nice. Hmm. My only complaint about it was, and it's not really a complaint because he's an alien. You don't know his brain works. But he really picked up that technology quickly, didn't he? <laughs> well, I think there's. You can sort of get away with that by saying, even though the Ba'ul are a separate race, it's the same world, so there's probably some sort of... Yeah, and given what I know about what actually happens, there there might be something connected between the two that makes it easy yeah. for yeah, those two races. To yeah, because this, this episode has plot relevance to stuff we're going to see in Discovery as well. But also, as a hand wave, like I totally appreciate that you have a very limited amount of time to explain how this guy figures this stuff out. So, you know, you've got a hand wave that you couldn't just... Like, it'd be a real boring-ass film if he was there like with this stupid screwdriver like unscrewing things, and then like shit was falling everywhere, and then he's busted it, and then... Yeah, so I, I, I do get that. That was my only kind of... It's not even a complaint, because like I said, he has an alien mind. It might be more sort of specifically analytical to kind of solving the yes no problems of getting a machine yeah working yeah well yeah Giorgio says that as well she says you've got an incredible mind you're you're very clever these other people here fucking morons yeah they you're are special dumb as a bag of fucking hammers that's why we're going to leave them to get et by these other aliens. they could not draw a cock and balls and believe me we've had them try yeah they're like <laughs> one of them has drawn like a weird squiggle one of them's drawn that s <laughs> yeah but that gets you kicked out of Starfleet. <laughs> it does, yeah. If you write Starfleet with that S, people are like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's the brightest star. Nice, nice little episode. But anything else we want to say about it? No. Well then, um, short and sweet. Our next episode is another short trek, <laughs> season two, episode one. So I know you love jumping around, Elliot. And it is called Q and A. It's not a Q episode. Because most episodes that have a title like that are Q episodes. This isn't. Any expectations from, from either of you? Because only either of you have seen it. So they've had basic training and now they're having a follow-up call to clear up the things that they don't <laughs> understand. Like that that's that's my understanding of Q and A. It's actually not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I've seen this. I must have seen it, but I can't remember it. I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's going to be next in the timeline. That's all I know, literally. I will say it's a fairly important one because it's going to be our first encounter with two quite important characters to Star Trek. One of them, in, well, I'll just flat out tell you, first appearance of Spock in the timeline. Oh, oh shit. Oosh. So we are going to meet Spock. Scarrow Spock. In our next episode. One of our many Spocks. How many, so many Spocks, Spocks are there? Too many Spocks. Well, there's there's Leonard Nimoy, there's Ethan Peck, there's Zachary Quinto. Oh, various... actors who played Spock. That's all the same Spock. <laughs> various babies who also played Spock, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you could argue that Zachary Quinto Spock isn't the same Spock because he meets Leonard Nimoy Spock. Yeah, he's he's an alternate timeline Spock. Yeah. yeah. Spock is the same Spock. Yeah. It's Spock's all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, uh, that would be such a great title for this episode if this episode had absolutely anything to do with sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll do that. Um, so yeah, we'll be back uh, next time for Q&A. Uh, join us for that. In the meantime, if you want to find us online, we are in many places. Social media presence is all in the description. Our coffee is there. If you want to make a one-time donation to the show, those are all greatly appreciated. And 
for the first time we've recorded an episode and our Patreon is live. It's there. You can go to it. Patreon.com slash MeasureFanPod where you can donate from as little as like a pound a month. As our two current patrons, Andy Frank and Allen and Lisa Powell, former guest and my wife, have done. <laughs> Nepotism lives. It's great. You should all try it. <laughs> but if you want to join the Patreon as well, you will get access to video versions of the podcast, completely unedited. Everything stays in because I am lazy. You get all the bits we cut out. Uh, you, there's already up there the uh, last episode of Enterprise. The video for that is up. And by the time this comes out, the video for The Girl Who Made the Stars featuring Danny Abram is also up on Patreon. So check us out there. That's it. That's all we got. Nice one. All done. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye, everyone.